Welcome back. Hello. Hey, everybody. If you are watching out there uh, in the video land, by all means, feel free to drop a comment, by the way. Uh, but welcome back to The Creative Economy. This is our weekly interview series where we talk to voices and players, or we chat with voices and players from The Creative Economy about all the things happening, uh, impacting the growth of the industry. Uh, we do go live on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so you can find out more over at created.show is the official show page for the created economy. We are streaming today on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn, uh, not Twitch, um, <laughs> Twitch hates us. Um, we also do post long before content very rarely over at createdeconomy.com. We're working on it. You know, we're trying a few things. There's short attention span 30 here. We can't uh, do long form content. Um, but uh, yeah, feel free to join us over at Create Economy. It does have a mailing list to get updates about other things that are going on as well. Um, and uh, while you are checking us out, by the way, uh, do give us a follow on social media. Oh, I think our slides are a little out of whack here. Um, but you, uh, we're Created Economy basically everywhere. Um, and uh, as Ken was showing just previously, we do have three shows a week. Um, we do on Wednesday, sort of our working sessions, our office hours, we are about to embark on building a new NFT for an artist friend of ours, uh, and show you how to do that and mint it all the way through Wednesdays. We do our interviews, as you know, and Fridays we cover the news. So looking forward to seeing you at one of those, but Ken, without further ado, uh, let's jump right into it. Oh, actually we have, I guess our AMA drop this week. So if you, uh, like free money. Uh, feel free to scan this QR code or head over to bit.ly slash AMA hyphen drop hyphen 20 and you can get some free cash on us because the AMA coin, uh, it's our rally backed coin, but it is also the official coin of the show. So feel free to drop in and grab some. It's on us. Uh, we do have a Slack. We don't talk about comments yet. Thanks, Wesley. Um, we're, we're not, we don't pay attention to comments at all. Um, and um, 
We also are excited today to have Amanda joining us from TechCrunch. She covers the creative kind, but let's bring her in and have her tell us a little bit more about herself. Hello. Hello. Hi, Amanda. How's it going? It's going well. I'm glad to be here and talking to you both. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, one of the things that we've, uh, past guests that we've had have been a wide range of, of, I guess, all parts of the creator economy from uh, investors to builders to creators themselves. But like, I think they all come at, come at it from one specific part and they, you know, there's obviously a, a tad bit of like bias of it to, to their degree. Uh, so it's great to have somebody uh, who, who in, in the journalism side to kind of really give a, a an unbiased look at like, Hey, this, what is, how, how do we make sense of all the stuff that we're talking about in terms of, you know, creator funds, web three, um, you know, whatever else is out there and, and see like what's going on. But before we get into that, yeah, as, as Greg was talking about, Amanda, why don't you give us a little bit of a, a background in terms of who you are, what do you cover at TechCrunch specifically, and how did you get into the creator economy space? Yeah, so uh, my name is Amanda Silberling. I'm based in Philadelphia, and at TechCrunch, I cover, of course, the creator economy, but also social media platforms, um, labor, digital culture more broadly. I think the broadest way is saying how tech affects people, which it's a great catch-all because that means anything. <laughs> and um, I've always been, I guess, like a creator in the sense that as a writer, I've been in a position where it's like, you just have a ton of W-9s that you're filling out. And that that's the definition of a creator. How many W-9s do you have? <laughs> but um, I've definitely like been in the position before of thinking about like, how does my social media impact my brand? And how do I like grow my following and leverage that into like getting more paid work in a field that I care a lot about? And then I think also because of that background, I think a lot about how creators can build sustainable businesses because I think um, just coming in with all my hot takes right off the bat, but I really hate the term passion economy because I think Good. that kind of, <laughs> I think that sort of um, erases the fact that it's like, yeah, like I feel extremely lucky to be a journalist and do work that I care a lot about. And I'm sure like TikTokers feel that way, YouTubers feel that way, but it is really difficult work. And it is really exhausting work. And so I'm really interested also in writing about how creators can build more sustainable businesses and take care of themselves while doing what they love. Passion economy is two lies at the same time, right? <laughs> it, it somehow <laughs> presumes that other people who work don't have passion for what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and it also sort of portends that the only thing motivating you is your passion for mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you kind of see, I guess it's kind of like a, a standard thing. Anything in tech, there's always some sort of economy, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, let's talk about, you know, at, when Uber and Lyft and Postmates, all these came out, you're like, oh, it's a sharing economy. Then it changed into the collaborative economy. And then all these other things like, okay, are we, are, is tech just very label uh, obsessed like we love buzzwords yeah you label everything you know it's like okay I, I don't think it's an inappropriate concept though because mm -hmm. tech is often the leader or leading disruptive force right and mm -hmm. so you are usually disrupting 
business models and fundamentally like sort of the economic space, like in one way or another. So I kind of understand it, right? Like, um, but yes, it, there are econ economic flows kind of everywhere, right? Like, um, and I think even to your point though, Amanda, just going back, writers are inherently always been like the, like some of the original artists, right? And creators in, in the world. And um, very few jobs are as creative as like writers, especially journalists who have to do it every day, you know, with a pretty decent amount of volume, right? Like, yeah. um, like most artists don't have to produce sort of in that kind of interval. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the creator economy buzzword doesn't bother me really. Like I know some people will be like, oh, it feels so awkward to be like creators, but I really like, if anyone has a better catch-all phrase for like people who are making a living on the internet by like building an audience and producing creative work, then please let me know. Okay. Well, by the way, I, that is a good definition of the creator economy. I do. I do. Well, that's a mouthful. <laughs> you know, nobody said it's the concise economy, right? No. <laughs> well, well, now now you've turned a new economy. There's another buzzword, and then I'm going to branch off from that. We're going to have it be the succinct economy, and then the corrupt <laughs> economy after that. Uh, but but Amanda, like I guess to a jumping off question is. Where do you like what are some of the things that you're seeing about the state of the the creator economy itself? Like we there's obviously been a lot of news in the past, let's call it two years since the, the pandemic, where this kind of this era kind of has really taken off. Although to be honest, it's been around for, for many, many years. But what is it about this now like that you're seeing is like, hey, this is these are some of the issues at play and these are some of the storylines that you're you're looking at. Well, to jump to another buzzword, I think, especially within the last two years, I would connect it with the great resignation. I'm just coming in with all the buzzwords. But I think like what's really exciting to me about the creator economy is that like, I don't think 10 years ago, people would think that posting cooking videos on YouTube is a viable career. But like, these are things that take a lot of skill and talent. Like you're developing recipes, you're marketing, like if you're a food YouTuber, as the example. And I think that especially as the labor market in the US more broadly is sort of, I mean, we're in a time when there's like more unions than ever. And like people are realizing that maybe they're not getting paid appropriately to do like, customer facing jobs in the middle of a global pandemic. And I think that this is pushing people towards figuring out different ways to do work. And I think in a lot of cases, if you have somebody who's really creative, then it is possible to try to build your own business on the internet. And I think that's really exciting. But as I alluded to before, I also think that it's something that needs to be treated with a lot of care because burnout is easy. And I think there is a intrinsic anxiety in like, maybe you're super famous on TikTok today, but in a year, like what if people just aren't interested in your content anymore, then what? Yeah. So who's, I want to raise a bunch of different uh, points there. Specifically, I mean, let's talk about the mental health issue. Cause I think obviously that's a, a big thing in, in tech in general. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with those with, that are participating in this great resignation, if you will, is 
they're abandoning they're 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 taking this leap and saying i'm done with this job i want to go i want to follow something that i pardon the the phrase passion about you know of what i'm like i want to go be a creator and then there's un, obviously there's pressure there because you're like okay you're starting something completely like as a startup um and then on top of that there's added weight because the uncertainty of of this this pandemic that's going on so shouldn't should there be more responsibility by the platforms themselves to support these creators in doing that or who's who which side kind of really bears that responsibility and i'm not saying like oh one's right or wrong it's just what like what would your what would your take be on that and like should we be would we should we be surprised that platforms would offer support for this type of stuff I feel like there's pros and cons to this because on one hand I feel like some really um good advice in the creator world is that platforms aren't your friend and if you trust one platform too much that might not be the greatest business move like if you're a YouTuber and then YouTube like let's say you make like two minute videos that are really fun and people love them. And then YouTube then decides that they're going to prioritize longer videos with how they serve content. Then you're kind of like, you have to rethink everything. So I think I do really um, want to emphasize the advice of like diversifying what platforms you're using. But I also think that like, yeah, if platforms want to like give creators money, why not? Like I'm all for people making money, but then that brings us into some issues that have been um, very like uh, discussed lately about like how useful is a creator fund versus a partner program that has revenue sharing. And um, I think there's just a lot of complicated factors going on here, but I think Short answer is, I'm all for if TikTok wants to expand their creator fund. Yeah, cool, do it. And and speaking of which, like you, <laughs> and, um, so for those that are that are watching or listening, uh, I used to be a tech reporter myself, writing for VentureBeat and the Next Web, and I know many people in the tech journalism space, um, spe- specifically at TechCrunch. Uh, Matthew Panzerino w- was formerly my boss, um, so, so yeah. <laughs> And I'm very dear friends with Alex Wilhelm, uh, who you work alongside with on on uh, for I think the Equity podcast as well. Um, yeah, I, other- I sometimes guest on Equity, but yeah. I think Alex and I mostly collaborate on memes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that that is that is fitting. I would I would think that too. Yep. But there's an article that I saw. Uh, it, well, the headline it led up to a podcast you you did recently. But I kind of want to stick with the. I want. I was hoping you could. Uh, dissect the, the headline a little bit for me it was like it wasn't and i'm paraphrasing it was not it was something to the effect of like forget about uh creator funds you want creator index funds can you elaborate more on like what you mean by that is and like is this was it was it something in jest or was it something like is this how should how should we be thinking about this is this is you know is it a legitimate yeah. i think that was more of like a joke because you know the equity people make a lot of jokes and on that episode we talked about like um one of the co-hosts natasha mascarenas mentioned a friend who was running a company where you 
like invest in creators in some way, which Mm -hmm. I think that's an idea that you see come up a lot in like web three creator economy spaces of like creator coins and whatnot. But, um, but so she was talking about that. And then Alex made some finance joke that probably went over my head. (laughs) And it was something about like bundling together a bunch of different creators. And then I had the joke of like, oh, well, what if instead of like index funds, it was like, I'm going to invest in the top 100 food TikTokers. And so I think that was the joke. I okay. I don't know how good of an idea that actually is, but love to repeat my jokes. <laughs> well, and, and so let's talk about the creator funds, right? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you've, there's certainly been a lot of uh, noise about them, uh, especially since in the past week, I, mean, I think it was uh, YouTuber or TikToker Hank Green. Uh, he was like, you know what? I'm not getting paid for my enough for my work, right? And mm-hmm. and you start, but then you see a lot of these creator funds, and, and from on the on the surface, you're like, hey, this looks good, this sounds good, like yeah, you're supporting these creators, and and to a certain degree, it almost sounds like it's bribery in disguise, right? Because it's like, hey, I'm just I as a platform am giving you the creator, you know, hundred thousand dollars to create something, and then but that's only for three months, and then. You're, you know, I'm just going to, I'm hoping that'll get you hooked. Like it's a drug, but it's like, how do you, are, are creator funds good? It's like, where are, where are we now with them? Should they be improved? Uh, should startups that are thinking about uh, attracting creators think, Hey, let's do creator funds ourselves. Like how, where, where, where do we stand on that? So I think that, um, what Hank Green was pointing out in his video, which essentially, so a lot of the data on how monetization works on TikTok isn't public because it requires individual creators to go like, this is how many views I got in a specific time. This is how much money I made in that same time. And then you kind of have to work backwards to figure out how much you're getting paid per uh, thousand views of uh, your content. And So basically Hank Green was able to use data from his own TikTok where it's very funny that he's popular on TikTok because he's like 40 and, you know. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with being 40. There's nothing, no. I I am a Hank Green fan, but it it is very, it's like, it's all the Gen Zers and then Hank Green like talking about science. But but yeah, so he was able to use his his data from his TikTok to um, like figure out that maybe like a year ago he was making five cents per thousand views and then now he's making two cents per thousand views and the idea behind that is like tiktok is a really really fast growing platform they were one of the fastest platforms to reach one billion monthly active users which they did later last year and as they grow the size of the creator fund has not grown so that essentially means that as tiktok is becoming more successful creators are getting less of a payout and you could argue that like people go to TikTok because they know that they want to see the content there and that creators are what gives TikTok some of its value and so Hank Green's point was that this uh creator fund isn't fair in that way and I think it's like I wrote an article where the headline was maybe creator funds are bad and of course it's like the headline is not the whole story like I think if 
it was maybe like, we're going to give away like this amount of money over a certain period of time. And it's going to be the same like payout per thousand views. I think there's ways of using a creator fund to fairly compensate creators, but basically like the comparison was with something like the YouTube partner program where you're getting 55% of ad revenue share if you're part of the partner program. And in that case, there's really no cap on how much you can make. Mm -hmm. And as YouTube succeeds, the creator is also succeeding. So then YouTube over the last three years paid out, um, I believe it was $10 billion over three years to creators. Mm -hmm. And TikTok's creator fund is like, 200 million i believe give or take either way like huge difference and on one hand like tiktok is a super new platform youtube has been around forever yeah. and also i mean the way that you would monetize these videos is totally different anyway because you could have like a 20 minute explainer on youtube or you could have like a 10 second joke on tiktok and so there is a lot of nuance there, but I think that generally, I think that it might be better for creators in the long run to do more of these like percentage revenue share systems than creator fund systems. So this is something it, from, I guess you're just on your analysis, like that would be something as creators are saying, hey, would I want to uh, snaps, uh, creator fund or LinkedIn's or, you know, TikToks or I don't know, whoever, like, uh, um, like Clubhouse is one, for example, right? It, what would that, how would, how is that the, the funding divvied up? Like to, to look more specifically at how the payouts are done as opposed to, you know, is it, how high is that percentage? It, it, it's almost like looking at an interest rate for if, if you're, if you're buying a home or, or, or making a big purchase, you know, like, or, setting up a retirement fund or anything like that. It's like, where's, how much money am I actually going to get? And what is it going to be based off? Of? And is that some, is that a, is that the fault of these platforms of these tech companies that they're not give being as forthcoming to, to creators? Do, do, do um, I think, I think generally like transparency is usually a good policy, but I think I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you say like, oh, TikTok is giving away $200 million to creators. Like that sounds amazing. But then you think about how the parent company ByteDance made something like $50 billion last year and $200 million sounds huge, but that is an extremely small fraction of $50 billion. And so, yeah, I mean, in terms of other platforms, I think Instagram Reels is a really interesting case where... I think when Instagram Reels first came out, everyone was like, are you kidding? This is literally a clone of TikTok. Like, how do they get away with this? Nobody's going to use it. It's so easy to see right through what they're doing. But people are using Instagram Reels because, like, at least creators I've talked to say that they make more money from Instagram's creator fund than TikTok's. And I also wrote about how Instagram was doing these, like, Reels bonuses where... Um, it's not really clear how certain people get flagged for the program, but it's like, you might have a situation where it's like, 
how many, uh, depending on how many views you get, it's like a gamified like bar where you want to fill up the bar to see how much money you can get. So a friend of mine had something like um, maybe like 9 million views in a month to get $8,000. Like that was the challenge that she was given. And so she said, oh, well, I'm going to make sure I upload a reel every day this month to try to get that money. And so it's like, for her, it worked because obviously she got more views because she was uploading more reels and then she got money and that's great. But that also works for Instagram because now here she's paying more attention to tick or to Instagram than TikTok. But then there's the whole other side of like Instagram's algorithm does not promote videos that have the TikTok algorithm or that the TikTok um, watermark. Oh yeah, if you so read then, those, yeah. yeah, it has they all favor everyone always favors original or native uploads yeah. things like that. Yeah. But then but then people figure out how to get away with like like figuring out how to export their TikTok videos without the watermark and then you can put it on reels and then it's it's very funny. <laughs> so speaking of TikTok, um, why do you think that TikTok is is living rent free? inside the heads of uh mark zuckerberg and evan spiegel like you you look at the you you look at the earnings uh report i think was last this week or last week um i don't even know what day it is anymore time is irrelevant um but you you look at it and you're like yeah we're you know zuckerberg says hey we're going to focus on short form we're short we're focusing on video again like yes we've we've known that you've been saying that for years you want to focus on video you want to focus on video but apparently that now he's officially saying, or at least according to reports, he's saying, hey, TikTok's a threat, you know, and same thing for, for Evan Spiegel from Snapchat. Like, why do you think, why are these companies so afraid of TikTok? And, and is that a, is that something, is that indicative of anything in the creator economy space? Like, you know, that's kind of, you know, at one point and during Web2, Facebook had dominance amongst creators and now everyone's like, uh-uh, we're not doing Facebook. Facebook's the, uh, where the 40, 40 year old, uh, Hank greens are. We're going to go <laughs> to, we're going to go to uh, TikTok. Like that's where we want to mm-hmm. go. Like, why do you think that, do you, do you think TikTok's like, haha, we're living rent free sucks to be you guys. But like, how, how do we make sense of it all? I mean, I think that TikTok is a threat to Facebook and Snapchat and they know it because if you think about like these are companies that have existed for like over a decade and then like TikTok has only really like risen to prominence in the last uh, couple of years. Like, I mean, they've existed before that as like musically and whatnot, but um, like they really have had like really like unprecedentedly, unprecedentedly fast growth and I think that especially for Facebook in particular, there's been data showing that Gen Z users are spending a lot less time on Facebook than maybe they did. Maybe users of the same age had spent like 10 years ago. And so I think as Facebook realizes that they're losing that demographic, then they look and they see that TikTok has that demographic. And So I think it makes sense that they're looking toward TikTok, but I also think that sometimes these social media apps can be very copycat of each other. And even when we acknowledge it, we still just, I mean, we're being streamed to Twitter spaces right now. So, (laughs) and it's like Twitter spaces is, it's really caught on, but 
I mean, you see the same thing happening with TikTok and short form video as you do with live audio rooms and Clubhouse. And like Clubhouse isn't as hip and cool as it was like a year ago. Oh, yeah. And I think has it. I mean, Reddit, Reddit has their has announcement today. Yeah. I saw on TechCrunch. Uh, where it's like, yeah, they're they're doing they have an update with live audio with, with their mm-hmm. live audio version, and obviously you have Spotify and uh, yeah. Facebook has one, LinkedIn has has one as well. I was like, they're going to have one, but no, they actually announced it. Uh, yeah, so you're right. I mean, that there's a lot of copycats out there, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of the um, the mo the the different pattern that you see, and as something kind of blows up, you're like, oh, okay, like. MySpace has this. So, okay, yeah, Facebook's going to have this. I, it, you know, it, and I think back in the day when, you know, there was, it was just Snap, Snapchat and, and Facebook, you know, F- Snapchat was living rent-free in, in Facebook's mind. And so every single time Snapchat would launch a feature, Facebook would launch it, would, launch, would basically copy that. And Kevin's system was like, yeah, we had admitted that, yeah, they're copying these features and putting it into Instagram, right? And and then Facebook went all crazy and decided to put stories in literally every single product that they have, which made very weird sense. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like Messenger stories, WhatsApp stories, Instagram stories, Facebook yeah. stories. Like, okay, relax. Like, enough with that. But I have held off on. I have never posted a Facebook story. So. I've posted a Facebook story via Instagram story. Yeah. Instagram. So that's so it's always gone through Instagram. Uh, but, but even but even that, it's like I think from a consumer perspective, it's easy to be like, oh my god, Instagram's copying TikTok. Like they look so silly because they quite literally took this concept and remade it in their app. Yeah. But then it's like, I mean, with the sample size of one, at least for me, like there was a period of time when I was posting the same story on both Snapchat and then I would go and post the same thing on Instagram for like my audience of my friends. <laughs> and then I was just like, eh, no one uses Snapchat anymore. I'm just going to like do Instagram stories now. Yeah. But obviously people still use Snapchat, but. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And apparently definitely <laughs> on, on, if you base it on there solely on the um, amount of growth that they did last quarter, Snap's up, Facebook's mm-hmm. down. So it's yeah. like, maybe that's indicative where, like, as you're saying, like the, the, the Gen Z audience and, and younger audience, they're like, no, we're done with Facebook. This is, this is. Maybe the prophecy that that Facebook had like years ago, we're like, oh, we're losing a teen audience. Like, yeah, you're that time is now. You are clearly losing that that teen audience. Um, I have a question in terms of just overall, right? It, it, from the creator space, because you we see like you know talked about live audio, that being Clubhouse and Twitter Spaces and so on and so forth. Uh, we talked about short form video. And obviously there's LinkedIn bios and all these other different things and especially web three type technologies. It's basically the wild west of, of, of tech and the creator economy. Like, do you, what do you see is kind of like emerging as a winner or do you see, is there any way, is it, are we too early to do, kind of declare what a potential winner is or who a front, what a front runner technology would be in this space? Um, I guess for me personally, I really like the model of membership platforms, whether that's like Patreon comes to mind or something else. I think it's a way of facilitating like 
as a creator, you know that you're going to bring in a certain amount of money per month. And these are coming from your like maybe like top 10% of fans and you can communicate with them directly about what they want to see, like what kind of bonus uh, paywall content they want from you. So I think, I mean, I feel like I, I like the way that Patreon operates because it does give you a more secure like monthly income, even though obviously maybe like, who knows, all your followers can decide they don't like you anymore and pull their support. But that is not super likely to happen. But it's so, pretty low churn, right? In general. Yeah. 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 So I think in that regard, I, I think what makes Patreon work, in my opinion, is that they are creating a more sustainable way for creators to make a living. And I also think that just generally, I feel like um, the Gen Z audience wants like more authentic interactions with creators but I feel like it's a double-edged sword because then it's like, if a startup is like, we're trying to do authentic um, like meet and greets or something, it's like, how authentic is it? Like, I, I think it's kind of a, like a paradox there, but. Um, I have a question yeah. for you, I guess though. Like mm-hmm. I, I get like sort of that Patreon has enabled a mindset of sort of patronizing a a creator. The thing I, I don't get about Patreon is like, they also have not really helped you create very much surface area Mm -hmm. to like more importantly than getting there is increasing that value. Right. Like, yeah. And that's what I think is like the most problematic thing to me about Patreon where they are. And like, for example, they're going to get a leg taken out, as discord introduces paid subscriptions for discord was like a third of the, I actually did this. I like, you know, we're I'm building a software for, I was building software for a creator economy. I looked at all the top Patreon people. One third of them are using Patreon literally to gate access to, to to discord. Right. And with discord offering that directly, well then now I don't need to pay Patreon to do that. Especially if it was like a hassle to have one thing happen for another thing to happen. Right. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts, you know, as a creator as well, but also I just guess when looking in the space, you know, how do you see this evolving? Cause I do believe like to your point earlier about like your frame of like creating sustainable businesses, a sustainable business is one that has increasing revenues, right. And low churn. Right. And so you, you kind of need both to like actually survive. Right. Like, so, so that's, I'm curious, like what you, what you see the opportunities are, you know, like for creators, like, you know, one, I think Patreon obviously is working on it, widening the birth of, you know, features that they're, they're going to offer, but I guess just anything beyond that or outside of it. Yeah. I think that's a really good point that Patreon doesn't really have like a discoverable discoverability uh, system, but I guess also maybe that's like not the point of Patreon. Like generally Mm -hmm. you're being directed there because like, you like somebody's podcast and they send you but yeah i mean i think it will be really interesting to see what happens when discord unveils the subscription servers because i know like i've definitely subscribed to people's patreons because i wanted to be in the discord before (laughs) and um i mean i think that also kind of maybe in the long run that's a good thing for creators because then they'll have the option of like 
maybe they like Patreon's system better. Like maybe they like the integration with Discord through Patreon better than what Discord does and it gives them more options. I feel like that's more of a, a negative for Patreon than it is for the creators themselves. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, guess, I guess my point is that yeah. eventually though, if Patreon doesn't innovate, it will be bad for the creators if they yeah. have to start changing their rates to survive yeah. or if they like end up like, you know, cutting off a part of their business or, you know, um, or some of these other mm-hmm. things. Like, I just feel like they've, they've, they've been a little too comfortable in my opinion. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good point too, in that, like, even if Patreon does help you have a sustainable business, you're still relying on a particular company for so much of your revenue. And I think that is a risk. And I think that when we talk about diversifying platforms, Patreon is also part of that, where yeah. if 100% of your income comes from Patreon, you're really putting a lot of eggs in one basket. And even like, this might lead us into like another part of the conversation, but something that kind of behind the scenes, a lot of uh, like creators I know are a little worried about and something that I've talked to executives at Patreon about is, are they going to do crypto or not? And I think it's really complicated because like my running joke, which is only funny to me is that I'm very ambivalent about crypto. Like, I think some stuff is bad. I think some stuff is good. I think that like there there are good things and bad things. <laughs> and, well, that's usually and, the case with 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 all tech, right? I mean, it's like yeah. oh, what a horrible life you have. You will not just had all good things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but like, it'll be positive. But I but I think that like that comes into play with the idea of like will Patreon do crypto or not because like. Yes. It's such a device. (laughs) Like it it is such a divisive thing right now where I know creators that have had fans be like, I'm not going to support you if Patreon does crypto because I think that's bad for the environment, which, which then you have to dig more into like, okay, well, what blockchain are they using and how environmentally taxing is that? And like, then there's the whole but yeah, the, the point, you could, you could, you could also say the same thing about like, oh, using Facebook, are they being environment? You know, is yeah. their technology being environmentally safe, sustainable? Yeah. Like, yes, or you're, you know, are you, are you physically going to their data centers to actually see, are you know, how much power are they are they using? How are they doing the climate and everything like that? It, and you kind of hear like, oh, Facebook's building a new campus, so they have like sustainable roofs and blah blah blah, and they're not using paper anymore or whatever. Like, you know, Zuck's using uh, uh, sunscreen that won't, you know, pollute and kill whales. Like, like okay, like we get it. And I think that's the same thing. I think that's a um, something that every company and every tech- technology creator has to, you know, address. And and, the, and I don't think that's a I agree that like from a crypto standpoint, it's like, yes, you know, it can, it hurts climate change. And yes, we're very, we take that very seriously now more than, than, than years ago, many years ago. But I mean, that's, I think it's, there's other complexities at play when it comes to, to crypto, but that also opens up to another question I have is how do you think, how do you feel about web three? Right. And we talk, I mean, you, 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 you just, you just kind of opened Jimmy that door. I'm like, okay, well let's walk through it. <laughs> um, I mean, is web three synonymous with the creator economy? 
or is it or is are we just or did somebody just decide to jam a, a square peg into a round hole yeah you know we're really keeping with the theme of like buzzwords in this <laughs> uh discussion love the like recursiveness you stop but... using english words <laughs> <laughs> you need but a i other than anything I would say that the creator economy is not synonymous with Web3, but I I think it's like a Venn diagram rather than a Venn diagram that's actually just a circle. Like there are some creators that are using um, like blockchain technology to help them run their business and help them find new ways of creating money. There's also creators that aren't and don't want to do that. And I mean, I think just generally, I feel like a lot of creators in my circles that I talk to are very skeptical of Web3 soon, which I think is partially like the marketing crisis of crypto, where it's like everybody thinks that it's just like people with monkey profile pictures on Twitter, which it's like, that's not true. But at the same time, like, it's also true. Yeah, and I think people are rightfully skeptical of Web3 projects, especially when like... The scams. Yeah, there's so many scams, and this is technology that is really confusing to wrap your head around. And I think something that gets glossed over, too, is like, I learned about Web3 because it's literally my job to do so, and I get paid to do that. But it's like, the average person isn't going to go home and spend four hours looking up like how the blockchain works. And I feel like I don't think people have quite done the best job possible with making that information like accessible, which I mean, it's hard because it's really confusing. Like it's one of those things where it's like the more you learn, the more questions you have. And that's hard to explain. But I think that it's going to, take a lot for people to really onboard people that are rightfully skeptical when what they see on Twitter is like scam after scam after scam. And I know that's not representative of all crypto communities. And I know that there's people that are working on like really innovative, interesting projects, but like that stuff I know because it's my job to know it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm, pro I'm probably in the camp that, Web3 is a subset of, uh, sorry, I think the creator economy will be a subset. It's kind of moving to be a like fully contained by Web3, I guess, would be where I think it goes, right? Because I think what ends up happening, by the way, when YouTube and Facebook and um, and everyone rolls out like NFTs and other stuff, they're basically going to enlarge the circle such that those social platforms are Web3 platforms as well, which is why I, I basically believe you end up with this scenario. But the reason I think it's really important or interesting is like, if you look at the, the mechanism of why you were buying Patreon, which was to unlock access to discord, web three actually solves for that. Like, mm -hmm. like in an extremely easy and simple way. Right. Um, and it also offers the ability to build a lot more utility on top of it. Right. Like not just sort of like, Hey, you're in, but, like, where are you in and how are you in and can I reward you in other ways? Um, so I, my guess is, I, I think you're right. Like, I think the, the UI problem is real. The UX problem is real. The social challenges are real. Um, you know, the cultural problems are real, right? Like all the problems are real, like for sure, without mm -hmm. a doubt, it is ripe with challenges and issues. 
But, you know, like you said before, 10 years ago, no one would have thought you could like make a living for like, you know, doing a cooking show, making a video of, yourself, of you cooking something, right? No one, but by the way, we're going back to something old. In the past, you always could charge for access to you for your time, right? And Web3, I like, I think like, like what creators are going to extract from it is like a meaningful way of saying like, hey, the time with me is valuable. I can offer rings or layers of intimacy and access, right? That I can now unlock because of this. And I can make it affordable and free at the same time in different ways, however I choose, right? Because today it's all hardened, right? Like it's either like you charge for access or you don't, right? And you make your money from advertising. All of that will go like in different ways, right? Like, oh, you've been a subscriber for six months. You get access to the VIP no matter what. Doesn't matter, right? Like, doesn't matter if you bought it this month, right? Like, oh, you did you get the one year chip, you know, for being here, like a subscriber for a year straight? Great, you're automatically in the VIP. It doesn't matter, right? Um, like these kinds of things where we don't have to tax every moment. Like, we, we don't have that ability, that, that middle ground today as creators, I think right? Yeah. Like to work with our fans in ways. And also I would say, by the way, I've made this point in the past. I think that creators, and this is a controversial point, take on it. They're just as big of like robber barons as the big platforms are, right? Because the the million dollars, the $10 million Mr. Beast makes on his video yeah. is because of those fans, right? And they don't get what, well, I mean, he gives away some money and it looks like it's nice, but no, where's our take? Right? Like you have zero business if we leave. You have zero business if we disappear, yet we're not participants in that. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the point, like, that I think, like, I think the fans, the ownership parts and aspects that come with Web3 are really powerful for creators who didn't have a way to try to cut their fans in on the, on the action. Right. Um, and also who can scale in way new and interesting ways by picking up all those passionate fans to help them scale in new and interesting ways. Oh, there's that word passion again. <laughs> passion is a word. Passion economy is banned. That should be a new headline on, on, you know, on TechCrunch. Passion economy is banned. We should make a t-shirt with passion yeah. and economy and just cross off the economy part. <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. Yeah. But, We're just pivoting here. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that like... I am interested in the idea of how fans can have like an ownership of like as somebody who they followed when they had a hundred followers suddenly becomes like super famous, then they kind of get something for being like an early adopter or whatever. Like, I think that's an interesting concept, but then in terms of things like you get a chip for being a subscriber for a year stuff like that i'm like does that really need like web3 like that's no. something that already happens on twitch it does it doesn't except but the the problem is that if it happens on twitch and you go anywhere except twitch it's almost impossible to reward like you're not a developer right like mm -hmm. and that and and like you know like for example my last company was built on top of the instagram api and when instagram decided to be a bunch of assholes and change like this thing to go that way versus this way our whole business got wrecked right and the point was that like even when you had a venture back company trying to build solutions to help like creators do better right 
the platform could still ruin your life, right? Like, because they're like, well, we don't think this app is doing a good thing because it's helping you share your revenue with your fans, right? And they cut it off, right? And so the, oh, the, the, the things about Web3, I think that are important that maybe like folks often miss, right? Is that it's a persistence tool and it's a payments tool, right? And if we look at that, like persisting the fact that someone's a fan so that everyone can know it, right? That means that everyone can also build things to acknowledge it, right? But yes, it exists in Twitch, right? But the reality is that if Twitch decides that they don't want to let somebody have access to that data anymore, then basically all of the opportunities and options uh, that you could offer on top of it are go away also, right? Mm -hmm. Or restrictive, you know, Discord is great, but it has rate limits, right? So like you can't read Discord infinitely, right? You can't see everything that happens in Discord. And so if you wanted to build something great that, that was going to happen for your Discord folks, you still have to operate within the rate limits of it if you want to use the Instagram API. And so what ends up happening is you as a creator, you may as well make a backup copy almost of all these activities out to the blockchain so that you have the ability to do whatever you need to do regardless of which platform you are on at the moment. But I think, Greg, to, to what you're saying, it, it, or actually what, what Amanda was saying, is that there is that education. And I and I'm completely I completely agree with you, Amanda, because this it's very much the odd couple on the show because Greg is super involved in Web3 and, and blockchain. And like he's more on the obviously he's been he's been a founder and entrepreneur. I'm more on the uh, on the on the eyewitness, the observing side. So it's like I know like up to this point. But then he knows like what's underneath the surface. So it's like I need to it's that that education certainly is lacking in the in this in the technology and Web3 in general. Right. Because I think you talk about well, like you're right. Can't you do these type of things with 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 on Twitch or on Discord? Like, why do we need to have all this blockchain and all this other stuff? Well, because you can ease like anything that you can do is just been different. It has been repeated in Web3. Uh, and and the only difference is that I think to Greg's point is like it's that data portability type of type of aspect, right? Because that's like, one of the main benefits, of, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you remember like this is generational, by the way, right? Remember when we when there was no internet and then everything was I this or E that, right? Um, that was the same crap, right? Like people were like, I already have these records. Why do I need it like on the on a computer? Or then like, why do I need it on the internet, right? And then you know, so like there's always resistance. I, I think up front and some of that resistance is well-deserved because like it's risky, it's tricky. Um, it's bad. It has negative, maybe like well-known negative side effects. Right. Um, but eventually those things sort themselves out. Right. Um, and so I don't think anyone should get into this crap for the sake of getting into this crap. Right. Like I think, for example, if you're a creator and you're like, I think my business could be a hundred X if I figure out a way to involve my fans in it, then you should start researching this pathway. Right literally like that's a great reason to be doing it. Right. If you're like, I want to be creator for the next 20 years and I don't want a platform to be able to steal my data or take my data and put me in a spot where I don't have access to the people that I should have access to. You should be looking at some of these technologies or at least building a damn mailing list. Right. Like, so, right. Like, but you see what I mean? Like is don't go into like, don't follow along. Right. Like you, I think folks are, would serve themselves well by going into these things because they see an opportunity and more importantly, an opportunity that can be shared. Right. Like, cause I think if you don't see it from a shared point of view, you personally means you're going to end up in the scammy bullshit area. Right. Like 
I my bet would be like 90% of creators will do a nice job for their fans and for themselves when they enter Web3. And then there's already still that 10% that are total shitheads, right? That have like scammed their fans intentionally, bought a Tesla, and then put videos up of it online, right? Um, like that stuff is going to happen because it's everything that involves human nature has that built into it. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. I mean, if you have somebody who's already like running a sustainable creative business using web two tools, if they don't totally understand web three, or they think that there would be friction with their audience, then is there really a benefit at this moment to getting into it? Cause I think you could argue that like, well, technology's already evolved. Like it's always evolving, and like uh, yeah, I don't, to, I don't, yeah. I don't think you should alienate your audience. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be researching it and maybe just not doing that work with your existing audience. Like maybe there's a new audience you could be building, right? Mm -hmm. Like Web three provides another side effect is as it's a huge liquidity pool, so there's a lot of money available to people who do new and interesting things, right? Um, it may not, maybe it's not your core audience today. Maybe it's you know, the, the next audience you want to add to your full audience. Right. Um, so I think like, yes, I agree with you entirely. Like, like I said, don't alien, I wouldn't do this to, to the extent that you're going to alienate people. Um, but I guarantee you, if you do anything in web three, you're going to get attacked a lot. Right. Yeah. Like, like, so, so you kind of got to get used to it, but like most creators I know, what do they do? They, they don't even read the comments anymore because getting attacked is also normative, right? Like, yeah. like you, so you're like, you don't read the comments. It, it doesn't matter what you say. Like, you, you know, I, I saw this guy commenting like, and some, it was about an NFT thing that he an ad that he had. And he's like, I could put an ad up for toothpaste and I, from a sponsor, and I guarantee you someone's going to complain about it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, this was like my thing with um like when it was when it was younger in college and I was like why I like, could never get along with vegans was that um, not there's nothing wrong with being vegans but back then it was a lot more polarizing because it what like there's this political element built into veganism for some right where it's mm -hmm. not about like the health benefit it's literally like no I don't eat sugar because like there's a sugar factory in South America that doesn't pay like great wages right like. And so like it's extrapolated so far out that yes, you can always find a reason to hate like everything in the world, right? Um, I, I don't know how productive that is, right? Like, um, but you're free to whatever choices you choose to make. So my point is like, is there a better time than now? Maybe, right? But is there a worse time than now? Maybe not, right? Like, because the early learnings is what gives you that early advantage, right? Like if you know, if you're three steps ahead of everyone else, you're figuring out how to like succeed before everyone else figures out how to succeed. Um, now maybe don't do that in public, maybe try it in a new venue, whatever it is. Right. But I don't know. I, I don't think people should rush to it. I think you should be able to imagine use cases and you should have more convos about it as opposed to like dismissing mm -hmm. it. This is my point. Yeah. So. I'm just, I'm not entirely convinced like at this very moment that if a creator came to me and said like, point me in the direction of, a web three creator economy startup that could help me. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish that this was uh, not live right now when there's something I'm working on that hasn't been published yet, but like, <laughs> well, I, I, know we're, I know we're running on short on time. So why don't we, why don't we just kind of end it and, and, and with the, with this final question, then it's like, what are you, what do you, well, and this is quite apropos, like, 
what are you working what are you looking for now as a reporter in the creator yes, screen sharing you can show us your draft okay. <laughs> <laughs> under embargo that's fine but but also like what are you what are you looking for in in terms of uh, uh getting pitched from founders from builders in the creator economy space how do they reach you and what kind of stories do you want to hear um, well, the best way to reach me is by email. I My Twitter DMs are open, but that's generally for people that are like, hey, I want to like give you a, a tip about this thing I heard. But mm. then when people pitch me like PR via Twitter, I'm like kind of annoyed by default. But that's also not their fault because <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, I am like on the more skeptical side when it comes to web three but i'm also like open and interested in hearing from companies that might be doing something interesting with web three in the creator economy but i think like i'm very protective of like i want to give airtime so to speak to companies that i think are doing something that is helping creators and I think sometimes with Web3 stuff, it's still really hard to say, like, I mean, I think you can sniff out a scam pretty easily, but, like... It's hard, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. But, I mean, but it's like, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, sometimes you can see a scam from, like, miles away, and sometimes it's like, I'm not quite sure about this. Yeah. Which, I mean, even the thing I'm working on, it's like, I'm not, like endorsing it by writing it but by writing sure. it i'm saying i do think this is an interesting concept and i think that it's worth thinking about because ultimately like i'm not an event i'm not an investor my job isn't to say like this is good or this is bad my job is to say i think this is interesting and i'm going to explain why yeah. <laughs> but i think it's fair it's totally reasonable <laughs> to be skeptical about a lot of this stuff i mean we're, mm -hmm. we're early days right like we don't need cheerleaders we need realists right like mm -hmm. And I love that you're true to helping the creator. That's the best lens in my book, right? Like, <laughs> if you can't imagine, if you're like, would anyone fucking do this, right? Like, yeah, I think you should call bullshit on it, right? Like, I mean, that makes sense to me, <laughs> right? Um, we do that all the time on the show, by the way. Um, so, you know, and we're, we are maxis on, like, the creator economy, right? Like, we believe in it. Like, we want to see it succeed. But, like, we can't always squint hard enough to make, to make it seem viable. Right. Like. Yeah. I mean, even something that I've been thinking about over the past few months is I did see an uptick in pitches about like all in one creator platforms where it's like yeah. instead of having a Patreon and a MailChimp and like all these different companies that you're uh, using, like why not just have it all in one platform? And I think that with that, there's sort of a tension there because it's like, yeah, it is really useful if you have your MailChimp and your Patreon in the same place. But then, like, what happens if that startup folds? Because we know that realistically, a lot of startups fold. Yeah. And I mean, that's an area where it's like, I think the people building that kind of stuff are really well intentioned. But I have started asking the question of like, <laughs> okay, so like, knowing that a lot of startups fail if your startup fails, what do you do with the creators that are using the platform? Like what yeah, happens to them? Point. Yeah. Good point. Well, and at the same time, it's like, so is the connectivity or the friction free environment, but trading the fidelity of the feature set, right? Like, is that, 
like at what point is that the right trade-off, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, is it, if I, if you use N number of tools, you're probably better off with an all-in-one versus like, you know, if the primary drive, like, should you, but you should use the best tool for the primary driver of your revenue, right? Like if, you, if your mailing list is 90% of your revenue, would you like suddenly take on like some shitty tool that like has, you know, like a day one feature, you know, when you could be using, you know, a public company's version of the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you, Amanda. Really appreciate you taking your time out of your I'm talk to somebody who has the same, same job as us sometimes. Well, <laughs> you have the real job. We have like, you know, the fake job. But (laughs) and that's why having a a journalist on here because it's giving you that unbiased view, right? They they're looking at all sides and saying, "Hey, this is, you know, instead of like cheerleading, this is this is actual reality. This is the stuff that works or doesn't work, and they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna call. They're they're not afraid to call a strike a strike." Um, So you know, Amanda, thank you so much. Uh, Really enjoy reading your stuff on TechCrunch and our new show every Friday. We talk we bring up all these articles and usually they're from either from you or from uh, uh from the information or or bi like and it's just constant like oh my god like where do you get these stories from so uh really appreciate uh, you joining us on the show and uh, looking forward to reading more of your stuff in the future so really appreciate yeah. it yeah thank awesome. you for saying that and thank you for having me on the show we appreciate it. Thank you for actually jumping in, uh, like, yeah. like kind of late for us too. Um, but this was great. And by the way, you're always welcome to join us if you want to help come and cover the news. Friday. <laughs> uh, oh man, there's we'll a lot you, of like, news. Uh, we're like, re- read your mean comment. You know, like that segment on uh, tonight. We like you can read uh, mean comments. Yeah, mean tweets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Read your mean tweets. <laughs> oh, I do. I mean, speaking of Web3, I do get tweets where, like, I'll write something that has nothing to do with Web3, and then you get, like, the people with, like, 10 followers that are like, this is how Web3 solves this. And I'm like, no. Can you just start making a list for us? We need that as our, you know, comic relief in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> well, just dissect the tweet itself. Just, so. just look at my Twitter replies. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much. Uh, truly a pleasure to have you here. And uh, yeah. we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about some of your articles. I'm looking at one of your articles right now. Uh, oh, so, interesting. Uh, I think we'll be talking about it on Friday. All right. Talk to you oh, soon. Nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Be Bye. well. Bye. All right, Ken, good job. Sorry I had to leave there for a little bit. Always leaving me hanging, I tell you. Well, you know, uh, you seem competent enough at this job. <laughs> well, usually if once we have all the technology and the stuff at play, it kind of just kind of flows, you know. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, let's get back. Uh well, so um we um we will we will likely be here Friday. There's a small chance we may have a, a scheduling conflict. So just in case we can't, um definitely tune in though, because um uh this show will definitely be going on. Uh, I know Wednesday we have, uh, is this, this Wednesday coming up? Chris is here. This Wednesday is Chris here. Yeah. Yeah. A week from today, we have Chris here, our friend who's now, uh, one of the co-hosts and organizers of the web 3.1 conference. Um, we'll explain. Um, and, uh, our friend Shauna will be joining us as well. Talk about brand strategy and the creator economy. So, uh, I think as you guys can see, we try to keep it fun and lively, but you know, your comments and your reactions help make us continue. So uh, keep it coming. We appreciate all the feedback and all the questions and comments that we get along the way. Uh, And on that note, Ken, I will see you later. All right. See everybody. Bye everybody. Peace.